to another episode of Kodo Cinema, the podcast show where I talk about movies. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Konaman. And for this episode of Kodo Cinema, I'm going to be talking about the live-action remake of Disney's The Little Mermaid. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I went to see this movie a few days a few days ago in theaters with two, two of my brothers, and I thought this film would de- and I thought this film would be a good film to talk about because there has been a lot of talk about the live-action remake of Dis- Disney's The Little Mermaid. I mean, of course, when it comes to like remakes, reboots, there there's a lot of talk going on on whether or not the uh, reboot's going to be better than the classics. Now, to be fair, though, not every reboot is going to be good. But there are some exceptions where the reboots are actually pretty good too. You get there's a few examples out there where where a reboot is actually pretty good. For example, after the after the disastrous Batman and Robin film, there had there wasn't a bat a live action Batman movie for like almost ten years until Christopher Nolan stepped in to direct a Batman movie, which was considered to be the first installment of the Dark Knight trilogy, which is basically called Batman Begins, and that film, that film helped reboot, rebooted like the Batman movies a little bit. But of, but of course, it's the, obviously the Dark Knight. Obviously, the Dark Knight is definitely the best Batman movie. Another example would be the True Grit film that starred uh, Jeff Bridges, and I heard that film, that film, that rebooted film that 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 came out in in the 2010s directed by the Coen brothers, that one was actually pretty good too. Now, so there are definitely examples out there where there are some some reboots that are actually better than the originals. And hey, you know, that's that's actually pretty cool. And, you know, it helps update what the well, for what the original had and trying to do try to update it by by bring not only bringing something new, but also staying true to what the original had. Now, Disney Disney has has done a lot of reboots recently on their on their on their films. So far, they have done they have done a Beauty and the Beast live action remake, a Lion King remake, the Mulan remake, and then of course uh, of course the live action Cinderella movie as well. Even even spin offs too like. Like Maleficent, for example, which is basically a spinoff from uh, from Sleep Sleeping Beauty that came out in 1959, but this is basically telling it from Maleficent's side of the story. Even even the Cruella Deville film as well. Now that one, that one, that one. To be fair, I actually liked the, the Cruella Deville film that came out in 2021. By the way, <laughs> that's actually that's actually a pretty good film. By the way, but then of course you. 
have remakes where it didn't go pretty well for Disney. Uh, for example, what's an example? Oh, Pinocchio. The live-action Pinocchio remake that Disney put Robert Zemeckis in a mess for that. How did that go again between Disney and Robert Zemeckis? Okay, so now, now, cut to the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. Now, this was announced back in the late 2010s, where uh, Disney, was, Disney was planning to do a live-action remake of The Little Mermaid, and they brought in uh, Rob, Marshall, Rob Marshall, who previously directed the Mary Poppins Returns film, that, to which that film is also pretty good. Like, he, they brought in Rob Marshall to direct the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. Now, Rob Marshall, for those of you who may or may not know, Rob Marshall is not only a filmmaker, but he's also a very famous theater director, including a choreographer as well. So basically, he's got that background of being a theater director. Now, for The Little Mermaid, The Little Mermaid actually had a Broadway, had a Broadway production prior to the release of The Little Mermaid. So it's kind of so. At the very least, Dizzy at least found someone who, who at least not only knows film, but also has a good theater background. Now, Rob Marshall wasn't the first, isn't the first uh, theater director to, to take on this project. Lin-Manuel Miranda was also brought on board to uh, produce the film while also, writing, while also writing new songs. And of, course, the, and of course, one of the few Dizzy legends, Alan Menken, to not only compose the music for The Little Mermaid, as he did in the original in the original Little Mermaid, in the original Little Mermaid film, but also to like, but also to contribute to the film to the live action remake as well. Now, going back to Rob Marshall for a second, he's a very well known theater director, but he has also done done some pretty good films as well. For example, like Chicago and Mary Poppins Returns, including Into the Woods as well. Now, uh, now Chicago, Into the Woods, and of course a uh, and of course Nine. Not, not not the animated film nine, but nine, which is basically a an actual, which is basically an actual play. Those base those three films are actually based on real life stage productions. And Rob Marshall, like I said, he's a well known theater director, so he has he so he's got that idea to like you know bring bring uh, live action to bring in production plays into a theatrical film. Chicago, for example, actually was nominated for multiple Oscars and actually won a few, including Best Picture as well. He was also nominated for Best Director. Chicago, the movie Chicago, came which is based on the play by Bob Fosse of the uh, by Bob Fosse of the same name, was actually was actually released in was was released in two thousand two was released in two thousand two to positive reviews. So it looks like Rob Marshall is starting to climb up into the into the Hollywood into the Hollywood world, so which I thought is actually pretty pretty cool, and I thought like okay he's he's a pretty decent director I think he would definitely helm the Little Mermaid as well. Going to Little Mermaid as a whole, the the Little Mermaid is loosely based on the 1837 fairy tale of the same name, which is written by Hans Christian Andersen, and of, and of course the book itself was adapted into the into not only for the remake but also the original 1989 animated film of the same name the film the film stars Halle Bailey in the title role of the little mermaid 
Plus, it also features jo Jonah Howard King, David Diggs, Aquafina, Jacob, Jacob Tremley, including Javier Bardem and Melissa McCarthy. The plot of The Little Mermaid follows a mermaid princess named Ariel who is fascinated with the human world and makes a deal with a with a treacherous sea witch, Ursula, to trade her voice for human legs in order to oppress Prince Eric, who she saved from a shipwreck before time runs out. Now, that's basically the, that's basically the plot of the live-action remake, but of course, it's also the same plot for the original film as well. And, and right now, before I say more about the live-action remake, let me give my background on the 1989 original. Now, I didn't grow up with the original Little Mermaid film, to be honest. Now, I have grown up with watching uh, multiple, multiple Disney animated movies, most notably Snow White, The Lion King, and of course, Walt Disney's Fantasia 2000, among many other um, Disney animated films that, ca that came out uh, during, during that, the, well, on, well, I should say on, well, obviously, I didn't watch these films, like, when they first came out, but I watched these films on home video during, like, when I was very, li when I was very little, so that's, that's definitely something. Now, um, now, for The Little Mermaid, I didn't get into, I didn't get into this film, I would definitely say I was probably in, I was definitely, definitely during, during my high school days, I believe. When when I when I started watching the Little Mermaid, and I thought the Little Mermaid, Mermaid was very good. What I didn't know about this movie is that the film came out in 1989, during the time where um at the time where uh where Disney where uh the Disney Renaissance was starting to form because the Little Mermaid served not only kickstarted the Disney Renaissance, but it also helped bring the help. It also helped brought uh, the Disney helped bring back the Walt Disney Company back on track because some of, some of the Disney films back in the uh, back in the eight back in the eighties were struggling to capture the the success of their previous films from like the nineteen thirties onward. Now, cut to the live action remake. You have uh, Rob Marshall tied in as director for the for the live action Little Mermaid film. And then of course, and then of course, you got Lin Manuel Miranda, who is very well known for Ham for Hamilton in the Heights, and of course, and and of course, uh, Mary Poppins Returns. And then you have Alan Menken returning to not only score the film, but also the songs as well. And by the way, Lin Manuel Miranda is also filling in for lyric for the lyrics as well, to which uh, Howard Ashman uh, contributed to the original to the original film. Alongside Alan Menken back in back in uh, 1989. Now I've already mentioned the cat. Now I've already I've already mentioned the cast the casting already. Now just to say this, um, I know a lot of people were split on the casting of Halle Bailey, but uh, in my opinion, like the casting didn't bother me as much. It, it didn't bother me as much. In, in my personal, in my personal opinion, so it, it it didn't like the casting alone just didn't bother me, and I was and I was just like, okay, okay, we'll see how this cast will do compared to what the original cast did in you know, in the original film. Okay, okay, because uh because uh Jody Benson uh Jody Benson uh played uh Ariel in the original Little Mermaid film, who also played uh Barbie in the Toy Story films, by the way, just to just to let you all know. 
So, so, uh, so the casting, the casting didn't bother me as much. I know a lot of people are split on the casting of Halle Bailey as Ariel, but, um, but, at the, but at the very end, I, I, I just wanted to watch this movie and give it my own thoughts of what I think about this film. I'm just, I'm just want to, want to give it my own thoughts on this, on this reboot because. I know, like I said, I know a lot of people are split on the casting of Ariel, and of course, not knowing the fact that a lot of people are tired of these remakes, but I just wanted to watch this movie just to give it my own thoughts. So, right now, I'm just going to break down the film. I'm just gonna basically going to break down the film itself. So, spoiler alert for those who have not seen the film. For the, so, spoiler alert for those who have not seen the film, and... Right now, I'm about to go under the sea to break down the live-action remake of The Little Mermaid. So ba basically, Ariel, Ariel, being played by Halle Bailey, is a mermaid princess and the youngest daughter of King Triton, who is the ruler of the mer people of, of Atlantica. Now, King Triton is being played by Javier Bardem, and of course... And of course, in the opening film, in the opening of the film, and of course, in the film's opening, one of the film's opening, um... Uh, King Triton is having like what looks to be a a council meeting of like like of all the daughters of Triton of all the daughters of Triton. And by the way, all the daughters of Triton are being played by let's just say a very diverse. <laughs> they got a diverse cast for all for the daughters of Triton, and this does get me questioning to what King Triton was up to. And and boy oh boy and boy oh boy, King Triton's got a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, but that's not really the uh, focus of that point. But for those who have seen the original, they'll probably understand that. But for those who have seen the film, and of course the original film, Ariel was missing. Ariel is missing because, by the way, in the original movie, the daughters of Triton, the daughters of Triton, um, they were doing like a little musical number in the original film. Although Ariel was Ariel was missing, and then King Triton was like Ariel. But in the live-action remake, um, Ariel was missing for this uh, very special council council meet council meeting, and then, and then like and then of course you do get this whole all get get this King Trident moment where he's like Ariel. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, the thing is, Ariel is fascinated with the human world despite never having seen it. Basically, like Ariel and. Her friend Flounder basically checking out, checking out like so they're checking out a shipwreck wreckage, and uh, Flounder is being voiced by Jacob Trem by Jacob Tremley, who to which uh, Jacob Tremley was in uh, Disney Pixar's Luca. So there's so there's some so there's something right there, and and one thing and one thing I will say this like Flounder's des Flounder's design in this movie I will say this. Uh, well, I, I think it's okay. I think the only design I, I did not like was Sebastian's design as much. Most notably from the CGI. And, uh, of course, I will get to Sebastian pretty soon. Because Sebastian... Sebastian was... Oh, my goodness. I feel like Sebastian was a bit of a stick in the mud in my personal, in my personal opinion. Now, now, Ariel and Flounder were checking out the shipwreck wreckage and of course we get this crazy shark attack to which i'm pretty sure the leftover cgi from jaws 3 probably took over because let's be honest the cgi the underwater cgi looks a little bit of a mess 
And despite all the controversy involved, all the visual effects artists not getting enough time to work on the uh, work on the visual effects. It really the visual the uncanny visual effects does show in this movie. By the way, it does it does show. To which to the fact that Dizzy has been in hot water for all the, for all the for like you know for for see these visual effects artists to like you know you know, have them, have them complete what they got, instead of, like, getting them done, making sure the visual effects are good to go, right, but instead, these visual effects artists are being put on a tight schedule right there, so, yes, the visual effects in this movie does show, and it's pretty hit or miss, there are some moments where the visual effects don't work as much, but at the same time, it's hit or miss. Now, um, now of course, uh, Ariel and Flounder meet up with, uh, with a Gannet named Scuttle, and, and Scuttle is being voiced this time by Aquafina. Now, in the original, Scuttle is a seagull, and of course, and, and, and Scuttle, Scuttle was voiced, was voiced by Buddy Hackett, but this time around, in the live-action remake, we got, uh, Aquafina voicing Scuttle, and, by the way, uh, there there are a few moments I'm gonna call out in this movie, to which I will get to one of Scuttle's moments. So just, so hold so hold on to your seats. So of course, if, so of course, uh, Scuttle is talking with Ariel because Ariel found like found like human items, and if, and she's showing Scuttle like what 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 do these items what what are these items? Like she she's asking Scuttle what the items are. Like one of the items that items that Ariel is showing Scuttle is a fork. Although uh, Scuttle refers the fork refers the fork to a Dingle Hopper, to which I don't understand what a Dingle Hopper is because Scuttle made that up. But Scuttle tells Ariel that the, that a Dingle Hopper is basically basically a hairbrush. You could just comb your hair, little bits of pieces of hair come off, and they're and they're and they're and they're so. So yeah, basically a dingle hop, basically a dingle hopper is basically a hair comb. But in, but for everybody if you've seen the film, it's basically a fork, which basically picks up food. And by the way, Scuttle is underwater in this film. By the way, to which I'm asking myself, what's the point of Scuttle being underwater? Although, as I mentioned, Scuttle's a gannet in this film, and actually, uh, gan uh, once a gannet can continue swimming after prey using both its wings and webbed feet to dive as deep as 70 feet. It can actually it can stay submerged up to 30 seconds while hunting to which uh, yeah, that's basically basically the point of again of again. Although, yes, Scuttle actually uh, caught a fish underwater which could have been one of Flounder's relatives, I believe. And then like eat the fi and then like, you know, ate the fish. She she ate the fish, by the way. And this could have been a nice little joke too. Like they missed, I feel like they missed an opportunity to put in a joke. I feel like a joke could have been like Flounder could have asked, Scuttle, you're a bird. Why are you? Why are you underwater? Aren't you supposed to be up in the air? I feel like Scuttle could have just said, Well, I'm a gannet. Technically, I'm a I'm a type of bird, and you know that can that, that can not only fly in the air but also breathe underwater. Hey, best of both worlds. I'm doing best of both worlds. That could have been a nice little you know nice little joke, but that was an opportunity that is being missed. So that makes no sense. So it makes no sense to why Scuttle's underwater. Okay, so basically, obviously, as I mentioned, so basically, obviously, as I mentioned, like Scuttle being Gannet, and then of course, um, and then of course, uh, Ariel just 
just realized that she missed like the council meeting and that she was supposed to attend with her sisters. She is being scolded by her father, Triton. And I will say this, uh, I feel like Javier Bardem look, I mean, he does look pretty, he, lo he looks pretty cool as King Triton, but at the same time, he really feels uncomfortable at times, or maybe like, it's just like, I don't care for, I like, he just doesn't really care for this film. Now, to be fair, I will definitely say this, like, for where Disney's going right now, does anybody really care where Disney's going right now, especially with their films? Like, do people really care nowadays? Especially where, especially all the trouble that Disney is getting into right now. Just saying. And then of course, and then of course, Flatter comes in to like you know explain like there were, there that him and Ariel were getting chased by sharks. To which, uh, Triton realizes, Triton realizes that, um, they were going by the ships, knowing that that the humans were in charge of the ships. And to be, and also Triton mentions that that the humans killed uh, Ariel. Humans killed Ariel's mother, to which explains why King Trident does not like the humans. Now, after this whole, after this kind of whole conversation, we get we actually get to see the uh, uh, part of your world part of your world song that uh, Ariel sings, and I will say this: Halle Bailey is a very good singer. Like she she sings this song very well. Sure, it's not the same as what Jody Benson sang in the original Little Murray, but but at the same time, she brings it, she delivers in her own take, and I really like that. I like Halle Bailey, Bailey singing in this movie, and she does a fantastic job. But then, like, after her song, after her song, she sees uh, fireworks come from the ship of Prince Eric. Prince Eric is the prince of a nearby Caribbean island kingdom. Now, of course, for this movie, it's a little different. So, basically, this movie basically has a bit of a Caribbean feel which basically is the location to where uh, this film is for The Little Mermaid. Now, Ariel checks out the ship and overhears a conversation where er Prince Eric is talking to the, the Prime Minister, to the Kingdom's Prime Minister, Gr Grinsby, about his wish to explore the unknown to help the people of his kingdom. Although, although Grinsby tells Eric that he should be staying in the ki kingdom rather than going out and explore. Kind of similar to what Ariel, it kind of similar to Ariel, like like King Trident wants Ariel to stay underwater instead of like you know go out and instead of like go out and explore. I mean, hey, I'd be someone who definitely would like to go out and explore too. I mean, hey, I mean both Ariel and Eric have like different point of view, different like like different like like different ideas of going out and explore new things, which is. Which, to be fair, is actually pretty good. But, you know, sometimes this is also a bit of an overprotection because, you know, because, you know, losing someone that you like. I mean, that's kind of like, that's pretty tough. But at the same time, you know, you can definitely understand, like, there's like a bit of an overprotection feel to this for both of these characters. Now, obviously, of course, you do get the ship shipwreck for Prince Eric and Prince Eric, uh, drowns because this and by the way this is from the storm by the way where the ship crashes in during a storm it crashed it crashed against the rocks forcing everybody to go for the lifeboats and uh, ariel was able to rescue eric and breaks him to shore where she sings with her siren voice to help save eric's life and then of course ariel flees before he can regain full consciousness after eric recovers 
his adoptive mother, Queen Selena, forbids him from sailing again. Now, before that, uh, and we do get this, uh, we do get the uh, reprise uh, song, uh, "Part of Your World," the famous, you know, the famous scene where uh, Ariel is is literally laying on 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 this rock, and of course you get, and then you get the lyric from Ariel saying, "Part of your world," and then the wave splashes in the background. That is a that in the original. That is a that is probably one of the most iconic moments from this movie. From from this movie, like the way like Ariel laying on the rock with the wave splashing in the background, saying "Part of your world." That is one of the most iconic moments from this film. After realizing that she she sees Eric for the first time, realizing like, I think I found my true love. Well, yeah, you rescue the guy, but you haven't had. Haven't had a full-on conversation with the guy yet, Ariel. But still, still a fantastic moment, though. Now, Eric's adopted mother, Queen Selena, forbids him from sailing again. And then, of course, this leads into a song. Actually, Eric gets a song in this movie. And I'll be honest with you, this Eric's song in this movie is actually very good. I like the song because the theme of the song is basically him going out and explore, which I think is actually a pretty good theme. That's pretty good because, like I said, I definitely be, because the thing is, I'd be someone who would love to go out and explore. Like, whether it's like, where it can be anywhere. And basically, Eric, for Eric's point of view, is basically Uncharted Wars, which is basically the title of the song, Uncharted Wars, because remember, he sets, because he sails on, on, on his ship. And he, he sails on his ship to, like, you know, explore, which I think is actually pretty cool. I like how Alan, and Alan Menken's music is pretty good for that song. Even, you also get a mix of Halle Bailey's voice doing the, doing, like, the siren call, which is a very nice mix to, to the, to the music, which I, which I found it to be very good. Now, of course, we go back to the we go back to the underwater kingdom. Ariel's absent-minded behavior is commented by her sisters, and of course, uh, all the sisters. Like I mentioned, it is a, it is a diverse cast of, of Ariel's sisters, but to be honest, though, they do they do represent the uh, seven seas. So technically, the daughters of Triton represent the seven seas. Represent the seven seas. By the way, Triton even King Triton even questions. His advisor Sebastian, Sebastian, to like you know look over uh, Ariel to make to make sure Ariel you know like a guide like a guide like got make like a kind of like a guide or conscious kind of like Jiminy Cricket. Sebastian this time around is being played by David Diggs, who to which uh, to which he was actually in Hamilton. He was um. He was Jefferson. He played Jefferson in uh, Thomas Jefferson in uh, the Hamilton in the Hamilton musical that Lin-Manuel Miranda did. So, so that's a little something. Now, I, I'm not gonna. Now, I'll be honest with you. David Diggs, he does a pretty good job voicing Sebastian. Sure, it, it, I mean, sure, I mean, it's a little different than Samuel Sam than Samuel Wright's uh, portrayal of, of Sebastian in the original. But he does he does deliver it in an old take. But there were definitely moments where he 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 sounds a little bit uncomfortable at times, you know, like if you know what I'm saying. So basically, we get a we get we get a moment with uh, Sebastian and Ariel about like where Sebastian tells Ariel like 
like Ariel, Ariel, the 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 human world up there is a dangerous place. You you you, you I mean, life under the sea is a lot better than this. Which leads up to the famous song, um, uh, one of the famous songs, on under the sea, under the sea. One of the famous famous songs in this movie, man. Come on. Not only in this film, but also in the original film as well. And I'm going to be honest with you, Under the Sea, out of all the songs in this movie, Under the Sea, um, Under the Sea was obviously the closest to act to closest song from the original film that is actually good in this live action remake. Sure, I mean, it's not the same in the, it's not the same as the original, but it does deliver a sense of fun, but also like giving, bringing in like the colorful sea creatures. And, and then, like, and then, of course, like, you know, you know, I mean, you know the rest of the song. I mean, it's pretty cool. I mean, it is definitely, it has energy. It is pretty colorful at times. But at the same, but, but overall, pretty good, pretty good addition. Pretty good, you know, pretty good addition. Despite the CGI being a little messy, if you know what I'm saying. So after the song, uh, Ariel goes back to, you know, her treasure. Tre it's, her, it's her room full of treasures, you know, from... From the surface world, where she finds a statue of of Prince Eric. By the way, yeah, she finds a statue of Prince Eric, which was from the shipwreck wreckage. By the way, so then, um, so then later on, Sebastian gets like a gets like a gets like a little gets a gets a little talk from uh, King Triton because somehow one of uh, uh, King Triton's uh, guards. Bring Sebastian over to tell, um, you know, have Sebastian tell Eric what's been going on with Ariel. Sebastian tries desperately to not, you know, spill the beans, but he does because he does because like he knows that Ariel's not only in love with the prince because you know the prince is a human, but also has a collection full of objects from the human from the from the surface, which gets uh, King Trident to be angry. So then, this leads up to the moment where where King Trident and Ariel see each other inside inside the collection room, and uh, and Trident just like just like Ariel, I told you not to go back up to the surface. Why would you not listen? And then Ariel's like, well, 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 well I was trying to protect this human. And Ariel's like, well, I was trying to protect this human, trying to protect this human from Johnny. King Trident's like, we should have let him drown. I mean, like, whoa, ho, ho, King Trident, take it easy. Well, take it easy, man. I mean, look, look, I get, look, look, I understand your hatred for humans, but that doesn't mean all humans are bad. Not all humans are bad, by the way. They're not. They're literally not that bad. Ariel is trying to save this human. Heck, heck, Prince Eric didn't even do anything to King Trident. He doesn't even know King, King, King Trident doesn't even know Eric. And of course, Ariel doesn't even know, Ariel doesn't even know Eric. By the way, as well. Now, to be now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, compared to what uh, King Trident was in the original, King Trident was not only a uh, a bit of a brute, but he did care for Ariel. He did have a sense of care as well. And and Javier Bardem's portrayal of Ariel. Now, I, I will give credit to Javier Bardem. He does the best way he can. But the way how they written King Trident in this movie. They treated him like a real, not only just a brute, but a jerk as well. Like, they treated King Trident as a jerk. Like, he doesn't give, like, a, a sense of remorse 
after destroying Ariel's collection with all with his trident, by the way. His trident that literally that literally shoots out fireball not only lightning and fireballs to destroy all the items in her collection room. And that is heartbreak that is like that is such a heartbreaking moment because Ariel was collecting all these items from the surface world. Doesn't even know what the what these items were, but they were interesting to her. Wanting her to like, you know, explore what the human world is. But at the same time at the same time at the same time with King Triton, like King Triton like really, really went out of his way to hurt his daughter. Dang. Like, look at the original. If you go went back to one if you go watch the original again, that scene where King Triton destroys all of Ariel's collect items from her collect from, from the collection, he does give a he does give a sense of remorse after doing the destruction. Like he realizes like, oh no, what have I done? Oh, what have I done? But in a live action remake after destroying everything he doesn't give it. He doesn't give give a crap. He's just like never go up to the surface again. That makes King Triton in the live action movie a bit of a douche, a a jerk, a a bigger, a big brute, more of a brute than than any than anything. And I and and in that film, I feel more for Ar I feel for Ariel in this movie. I feel so sorry for her. Like. She spent, she spent like, she spent a lot of time collecting these things because it interests her. Because it's very interesting. Even, even she tells Sebastian to like go away because Sebastian really, really, literally, literally spilled the beans. I mean, I know he didn't mean to, but at the same time, but at the same time, dang, ah, oh, damn, that's just rough. That is just rough. Man. Okay, so obviously enough, this does lead up to uh, Ursula because uh, Ursula, the sea witch, was being played this time around by uh, Melissa McCarthy. And I will be honest with you, Melissa McCarthy does a pretty good job playing. Er uh, she does a pretty good job playing uh, Ursula. And yes, it is line from line from the original. So that's actually, and to be fair, she does a pretty good job, even though the writers did not put anything new for her character. But at the same time, I do appreciate uh, Melissa McCarthy. Sure, yeah, when you think of Melissa McCarthy, you think of funny Melissa McCarthy, funny Melissa McCarthy. She's, she is very comedic. But in this movie, I mean, yeah, she's a little comedic in this movie, but at the same time, she does play the character pretty well. And of course, and by the way, and also to mention, uh, Pat Carroll voiced uh ursula in the original 1989 uh 1989 low mermaid film to which to which her design to which her design was inspired by the drags by the drag singer divine which is which was basically the uh inspiration for uh ursula's character design most notably her most notably ursula's body by the way now, uh, Ursula does does sing the poor, a poor unfortunate soul. She sings the poor unfortunate soul, which uh, it is a bit of a different take, a bit of a different take. But Melissa McCarthy sings pretty well for that song. 
and and of course and of course you know uh, Ursula manipulates Ariel on the fact that like like she can help change Ariel into a human in exchange for her voice. Yes, that was the basically the whole deal. Okay, and it's kind of like making a deal with the devil. So I'll give you something if you do something for me. So basically, that's like. Yeah, Ariel, you're making. Uh, I, yeah, Ariel, you're falling into the trap right now. But hey, you, Ariel is falling into the trap. Like, er, like Ursula is giving Ariel legs in exchange in exchange for Ariel to give Ursula Ariel's voice. And Sebastian and Flounder are seeing all of it. By the way, they're seeing all of it. The entire transformation. Like. Like and and part of it, part of that, and part of it does remind me a little bit of Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber. You know, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Phantom of the Opera, where uh, the Phantom tells uh, the girl like, "Sing for me, keep singing, sing." That's kind of like what Ursula is doing in, kind of like what Ursula is doing is like, "Keep singing, keep singing," and like, yeah, because Ursula is telling Ariel to keep singing just so like. Her just so she can get Ariel's voice, and she does. And then, of course, Ariel gets legs and swims up to the surface to breathe for air. So now, um, so now Ariel basically Ariel's uh, basically swimming on water right now instead of underwater. <laughs> and then, so basically, uh, Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian swim on until Ariel gets captured by a by a boat. To which uh, somebody uh, ca ca captures Ariel. He th this this uh, I believe it's a captain or something or someone who's uh, who's uh, um, you know I believe it's a captain or something. I don't really know to be I don't I forgot to be honest. Uh, this guy finds a uh, air finds a uh, Ariel all uh, all uh, wrapped around in what looks to be seaweed, and uh, he was able to help. Um, who was able to bring Ariel to Prince Eric's castle, and uh, we also get a crazy, we also get uh, another Scuttle moment where Scuttle sees Ariel, and, and Scuttle's like, huh, something's weird about you. Is it the new hair? You, oh, you were using the dingle hopper. And then Sebastian's like, she's got legs, you idiot. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, Scuttle, I mean, let's be honest, Scuttle's pretty clueless, and Scuttle's pretty clueless in both both versions, but I feel like the but I feel like Scuttle in the live action movie is is a lot more clueless than what uh, the 1989 original was. So okay, we get we when when Princess when Ariel gets to the kingdom, we actually get another song, but this time it's for Ariel, but it's actually from her, but it's actually. An inner monologue. She gets like an inner monologue song because remember, Ariel is uh, Ariel's voice is taken away, so she's pretty much mute. Um, she's pretty much a mute in the at, for, as of now, as of now. And her song is basically called for uh, her song. Basically, her song is basically describing like her first time on this on this land. And I'll be honest with you, her inner monologue and her inner monologue song is actually pretty good. I like that song, and I really do, because it kind of shows you that we are hearing, we are hearing Ariel from her, you know, from her inner monologue, and it's basically inside her head, and that's actually pretty good, pretty good, 
And the title of the song is called For the First Time. And Lin-Manuel Miranda actually wrote this. And it's actually a pretty good song. Part of the song does remind me a little bit of Hamilton because, well, not only Lin-Manuel Miranda was involved with Hamilton, but just the beats itself. Like, you hear the drums playing in the background. You, you do hear a little bit of a familiar of a similar melody and rhythm from Hamilton, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, so 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 Ariel gets to uh, Prince Eric's uh, castle. Uh, the the handmaid the handmaidens were able to um, help help Ariel a little bit, and, you know you know give her a bath, put on put on put on put on a dress, shoes, and also you know get settled and you know also get settled and get ready to meet the prince. But it does lead to a moment where um. Ariel kind of realizes the the price like like in one of the lyrics in in the end of the song um Ariel Ariel's realizing you know the deal that she made with um like the deal that she made with um with Urs with Ursula kind of realizing like what's going kind of like what's going on and I like that last verse pretty well it, it kind of show it kind of shows like Okay, I'm at the point right now where this is. I'm at the first time. I'm 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 at this, I'm at this kingdom, human kingdom for the first time. But I'm realizing that I made the I made the deal, the price, the price that I paid with my the price that 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 the price that that Ariel paid with her voice, and and this is after the moment where Prince Eric sees her for the first time, and. And real and doesn't recognize her. He he doesn't recognize Ariel because Ariel rescued uh, Prince Eric, but he doesn't recognize her. This leads to a moment that like he, that Ariel just realized that he doesn't know her. Yeah, he doesn't really know her. So so Ariel made a lot of sacrifices, and it was a choice, and she can't undo that. Because remember, remember, if you remember the original film, because you also remember in the original film, um, Ariel had three days to um, kiss Eric. Like, like her main objective, like if you want to marry this, if you want, if you want your voice back, if you want your, if you want like, want your voice back, or or should I say, remain a human forever, remain a human for the rest of your days, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta kiss Eric. In, in three days before the sun sets, so and that's the main thing. However, 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 and this part really doesn't make any sense. Ursula brainwashed Ariel to like you know to to forget, to forget. Like she just brainwashed Ariel to like to like not kiss Eric. And I'm just like, how does that make any sense? Any how does that make any sense if if her, if she want if her, her whole thing is if the whole thing for Ariel is just saying like you gotta if you want to be a human forever you must kiss Eric in three days before the sun sets which and to which Ursula brainwashing Ariel into not into not uh, kissing into not kissing Eric makes no sense and that also kind of explains later on in in, in uh, kiss the girl by the way. To which I'll get to that pretty soon because there was there was some controversy with that song with that with, with there was some controversy for no reason by the way so I'll get to that pretty soon so obviously we get to so obviously Sebastian comes in Sebastian and Scotto comes in to you know well obviously Sebastian comes in and, tell, and like 
looks at Ariel and is like, I told you so, I told you so, Ariel, look at, he's like, I told you so, Ariel. My goodness, every time I look at Sebastian in that live-action remake, it's giving, it's giving me CGI nightmares already. I did not like that design for Sebastian, by the way. I'm so, and, oh, man. Ugh. So, yeah. So, basically, uh... So so basically, so basically, so basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously enough, Sebastian does come around. It's like, oh, okay, Ariel, I will help you. I will help you to, you know, help you to, you know, help you kiss the kid, help you kiss Eric, help you kiss Eric, and then of course Ariel kisses Sebastian, which is pretty cute. And then it's like, what a soft show I turn out to be. So then later so then later on so then later on um Ariel and Eric do finally start to you know get get more um you know Ariel and Eric are starting to like you know get more something more in common have a conversation and Eric decides to like you know uh take Ariel on a nice little tour of the kingdom which to be fair is actually pretty nice I like how Eric and Ariel went went on a little tour they even explored you know a nice little Caribbean uh, I believe it's a Caribbean party of some sort, where or a Caribbean market, I should say, because uh, Ariel is is because Ariel is checking out all the wonderful things on the human surface. Like Ariel's a little confused. Like she's she's like wondering, "Ooh, what's this? Ooh, what is that? Ooh, what's that thing? Ooh, what's that cameo over there?" Yes, we actually do get a we get a cameo from none other than Jody Benson herself. Jody Benson, uh. Jodie Benson plays like a. Uh, <clears throat> she plays like she plays one of the uh, one of the people. She plays one of the. Um, I'm trying to say who am I? Uh, one of the market serve one of the market servers where she gives Ariel the uh, the fork or should I say Dingle Hopper, and it's actually a nice nice moment too because we're, not only are we seeing both Ariels at the same, not only are we seeing both actresses playing Ariel. But also um, knowing the fact, like callback to where you know Ariel has the Dingle Hopper, which I thought is a nice little, nice little, you know, nice little callback, nice little callback. But also to add on, um, uh, giving Ariel the Dingle Hopper as a, as as a collection because um, even though, because uh, King tried and destroyed everything in Ariel's collection room, but. But giving back the Dingle Hopper as a nice, uh, as a nice first edition, as a first collection, as a first edition collection, to which I thought that's actually pretty nice. And then of course uh, Ariel and Eric actually give, do a nice little dance. And then uh, during the evening, uh, Eric and Ariel are now sail, are basically you know, paddling in a canoe in in a, in a nice in a, in the lake. During a wonder, during a lovely evening, during a lovely evening night, which is actually beautiful, and this is where Kiss the Girl comes in. Now, I will say that. Now, I will say this: like the scene itself is very beautiful. I like the the like I like the lightning background, and you know the fireflies coming in, and having Sebastian Flounder and Scuttle help set the mood for the. Uh, for well, actually, well, also, well, it was just basically Sebastian setting the mood. But if you know what I'm saying, the original because Scuttle failed to set the mood because Scuttle's like, wah, 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 wah. oh man, 
But if you, but if Sebastian sets the mood because you have um because basically you have uh, you have like Sebastian setting the mood percussion strings music and this is where Kiss the Girl comes in. Like I said, the moment itself is pretty sweet, and I do like the moment where um Ariel tries to tell uh, Eric the name. Like she helps Eric, she helps Eric. Telling, uh, telling her who er, who she is, like, like uh, up in the skies, she re like he refers to one of the planets or stars as Aries, and this gives Ariel an idea, like, hey, hey, like Aries. It sounds like because Ario, Aries, Ario, because it has Aries. So, um, so, so, uh, so what's actually pretty nice is Eric makes the guess. She says Aries, Aries. Ariel's like no, and then. Uh, Ariel puts her finger into um, on uh, Eric's lips. She's like Ariel, Ariel, Ariel. Yeah, and I thought that was like, okay, there we go, there we go. Even though Sebastian says Ariel, it's Ariel in the original. That was in the original, by the way. Now, okay, so now as I mentioned, the the kiss the girl moment is actually pretty cool. Is actually pretty nice, pretty nice. But before that, I'm gonna have to. Mention something because uh, there was a change in the lyrics for "Kiss the Girl," and this gets me this gets me mind-boggling. Realizing that who would complain about "Kiss the the Kiss the Girl" song? I do not understand where that controversy this controversy came from. They changed the lyric in one in the "Kiss the Girl" song. Now, uh, some of you are probably realizing, um, well, what's the lyric change? I mean. Like, what's the lyric change? Like, I didn't even know what the lyric change was. Now, I didn't even know what the lyric change was. And this this came out about a month ago. And this came out about a month ago. Before the film was even released. Was released. So, and the lyric. Now, there wasn't really much lyrics. There were, They didn't change a whole lot of lyrics in this song. But the only lyrics that were changed in this movie is in this live action movie. And to quote this off an article from uh, fan cited HiddenRemote.com by... Um, so basically, this article from Hidden Remote fan side, HiddenRemote.com, a fan cited. Uh, it was, and I quote, it was mentioned. The lyric in the live action version of the song is as follows: Possibly she she want you too. Use your words, boy, and ask her if the time is right and the and the time is tonight. Go on and kiss the girl. Now, in the original, here's here's this lyric in the original. This is the, this is the lyric in the original. Possibly she want you too. There is one way to ask her. It don't take a word, not a single word. Go on and kiss the girl. Now, let me say the lyric from the live action film again. Possible she want you to use your words, boy, and ask her if the time is right and the time is tonight. Go on and kiss the girl. Okay, I know it's not as much. I know it's not much, but... I will say this, this, I don't understand where this controversy came from, like, who in the right mind would think that Kiss the Girl would be controversial? Oh, wait, for, for some oh, wait, for some reason, people are saying that Eric is basically forcing himself onto Ariel, to which, that's not true. Eric does not, is not forcing himself on Ariel, because in the original, like I said, in the original, um... If you go in, if you, to put in, in the original, Ariel had three days to kiss to kiss Eric to remain a human, to to remain to remain a human. But also to also to put into more context, 
Um, so also put it into more context, she actually tried to make the move first. She tried to make the move first, but though, and also, and also, um, but but you have Sebastian and all the other and all the other uh, sea creatures and uh, and and animals to help to you know set the mood set the mood for Eric. So they're kind of pressuring Eric too. They're basically pressuring Eric. So basically pressuring Eric. But but the context of that is like it's it's basically Ariel. Ariel Ariel Ariel. That's basically the point. Ariel is basically trying to you know get this kid trying to get this kid get this kiss. But the thing is. Ariel doesn't even know. She's brainwashed. She's she forgets that she has to kiss Eric. She has to she forgets she has to kiss Eric. To which makes no sense. Which that makes no sense. And the lead up to Kiss the Girl in the live action remake, uh, despite the song being cute, but the payoff for Ariel being brainwashed to kissing Eric makes no sense. And there is no payoff for that. And and the reason behind it, and the reason behind it, because, you know, it's 2023. It's literally 2023. It's 2023 year. People are literally getting soft, literally getting soft on this. It's basically the baby it's cold outside controversy all over again, where the lyrics in those songs are more, they're more innuendo. They're more, they're basically innuendos. I mean, the Kiss the Girl song now in the live-action Little Mermaid remake is basically the baby it's cold outside controversy problem all over again. Oh my goodness! And of course, I was, and of course, and of course, knowing the fact that uh, Ursula's eels knock over uh, Eric and Ariel, and then uh, Ursula transforms herself into Vanessa and. Actually, uh, Ursula is struggling to find the potion to transform herself in transform herself into a human. It's actually pretty funny. I actually got a chuckle out of it. Like she's like looking in her cabinets, like saying, "Like, oh, where is it? Where is it? No, 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 no! Oh, there it is." <laughs> okay, that part is actually very Melissa McCarthy. Very is basically uh, is basically Melissa McCarthy just basically being funny and I and I and I laughed at that <laughs> but other than that the next but other than that um after uh, after Eric and Ariel are back at the castle Eric is le out all alone and she he, he hears a siren which could be some someone else but he thinks that is the girl that he is looking for to which um the girl Vanessa sitting out by the ocean by the ocean floor singing i mean eric but eric thought that is actually the girl that he is looking that he is looking for but unfortunately what he doesn't know that it's ursula and of course ursula brainwashes eric you know giving him like the mind control yeah which also which then the next scene leads up to oh my goodness the worst song in this movie in my opinion the worst song in this movie but also holding, but also being the worst Disney song of all time, and if you know what I'm saying, it's the Scuttlebutt. Scuttle gets a song, and by the way, Scuttle is Scuttle in the original film was known to be a terrible singer. By the way, a a seagull who is not good at singing in that movie, the original movie, and yet Scuttle again it. Voiced by Aquafina gets a song and 
It's not a good song. It's not a good song. I am so sorry. Like, this may, I, I, this is not a good song. The Scuttlebutt is not a great song. I mean, it is cringy. Like, who in the right mind thought giving Scuttle a song was a good idea? I can't imagine not only the people involved with that song, but but the people who had to record the song. Like, the people who record the song, I mean, it takes takes guts to to mix a song like that i mean listen props to the uh, props to the sound engineers man like i mean i can't imagine how irritating they had to like go through like like the whole scuttlebutt song is basically like a gossip like the gossip basically gossip which makes no sense like and i'll tell you this like the scuttlebutt island from um from gravity falls is funnier than 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 the Scuttlebutt song from Scuttle. I mean, and this is like, this is obviously the worst song from this. Not only from this movie, but like the worst song from Disney as well. Like, I can't imagine uh, Disney and Howard Ashman rolling in their graves right now. Like, what was, what were, what was the company thinking? Like, it makes no sense. The song itself is out of place. Like, the Scuttlebutt is literally out of place I'm telling you right now and look and and look i know aquafina look look aquafina is a fine actress like she's a fine actress she does fine in some films but at the same time but at the same time but at the same time what were the people thinking of bringing in of bringing in this song for aquafina like oh my goodness I could go on forever of talking about this song, but it's just it's just not good. Like it's not, like the rap style for the Scuttlebutt is not does not fit the scene. It's so out of place right now. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and the vocal performances, like I said, Aquafina's a fine actress, but this was not her song. This was not Aquafina's song, by the way. Not her song. This was not her song. <sighs> okay. Now, uh, going into the rest of the film, like, Ariel, uh, basically, Ariel goes down to find out that, uh, Eric, Eric w is with this other woman or girl who he believe to which, uh, the prime minister believes that Eric found the girl that Eric was looking for, and, of course, this gets Ariel so upset that Ariel runs away, goes back, you know, goes back to the water, Sebastian and Flounder try to cheer her up a bit and then scuttle flies around and discover that vanessa's true identity is is ursula yeah if you know what i'm saying so yeah so then scuttle comes back to inform ariel sebastian and flounder to let them know to let the three know that that vanessa is the sea witch ursula so basically uh sebastian tells uh flounder to go find king triton and then and then Ariel and then Ariel Scuttle and and Sebastian go on to take on uh, Vanessa. And then this actually breaks into a into a bit of a fight right now between er, not only Ariel and Vanessa but also Scuttle as well. And and Ariel manages to get the you know get Ariel. I believe oh man, I, was it Scuttle who got the who got the show who got the necklace show? I believe. Although 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 um although I believe although. 
I, I don't remember who. I mean, I know in the original it was. I, I know in the original, um, the the shell, the the shell necklace comes off of, uh, you know, comes off of Vanessa. Although I don't really remember who it was. I don't really remember who it was. I know uh, it was the dog in the original who kind of like finished it off. But but in but in the live action remake, I forgot who did it. So um, I really forgot who did it. But every but that being said, Ariel was able to get her voice back. But unfortunately, this is the third day, by the way. The sun sets. Ariel was unable to kiss Eric, so she turns back into a mermaid, and then Vanessa turns back into Ursula, who takes Ariel back to the ocean. And and I did not mention this part. That part I forgot to mention this part. Now, if Ariel, if Ariel does not kiss Eric after three days after the sun sets, she not only turns back into a mermaid, but Ursula keeps Ariel. Yeah, that was a whole deal, by the way. So then, um, so then Triton, Triton, Triton confronts Ursula, who orders Ursula to let go Ariel go. However, Ursula reveals that the deal that she made with Ariel is unbreakable. So Triton trades himself for Ariel and is turned to, and is turned to dust by Ursula's eels. Much to Ariel's uh, horror. And uh, in the original, uh, King Trina was turned into what looks to be a plant, by the way, because in the original, all the mer all the mermaids and merman, all the mermaids and mermen in the original were turned into uh, Ursula's plants, I believe, rooted plants, I believe. With, I, and they were all turned to dust in the original. So basically, Ursula kills her victims, by the way. In, in the live action remake. We don't see that, but we do see all the piles of bones in, in Ursula's lair, by the way. So, um, Ursula claims Trident's Trident just as Eric arrives to help in the me in the melee. Ursula and then um Ursula accidentally kills her eels. Yeah. Yeah. Ursula kills her eels. Oh my my, my babies, my little poopsy babies. <laughs> yeah. So this gets Ursula so so mad that she goes into a giant kraken, and and we get this final battle with Ursula and and Ariel and Eric, where she creates a tide pool to drown both Ariel and and Eric. And another moment that really get, and then this is another moment where I'm just like, okay, okay, all right. You know what I'm saying? Ariel kills Ursula. Like Ariel kills kills Ursula using a, the using the a broken ship. To which in the original, Eric kills Ursula with the broken ship. But this time around, it's reversed. And Ariel kills uh, kills Ursula by by impaling Ursula, and then obviously she explodes. She explodes into millions of pieces, and Trident comes back to life with you know with the Trident to have to kill. After after uh, Ursula's demise, still a pretty creepy, still a pretty uh, creepy death, by the way. But the thing is, but the thing is, you know, but the thing is, it's a bait and switch this time around because it's Ariel who kills Ursula instead of Eric because Eric, being the brave male hero, hero that he is in the original film, saved Ariel. He not only saved Ariel, but he saved the entire undersea kingdom. And gives the and Triton gives him the respect, meaning like, hey, not all humans are bad, but it's the exact opposite because now this time it's Ariel doing the killing, 
Like, now imagine if this was Eric and Ariel killing Ursula. Then that, then that would make sense. I would have respected that scene a lot more. But no, because Disney, because Disney thinks that, oh no, oh no, 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 uh, a woman should not be rescued by a man. No, what? What? Disney, your original film, you had Prince Eric rescuing Ariel. Uh, twice. I believe that was twice. I believe that was twice. In that was twice in that movie. But in this, but in the live action remake, once Eric rescues Ariel once, because Eric's uh, Eric throws like a little spear in front of uh, in in front of, in, in, from from Ursula's behind, like slashing, you know, like slicing uh, like you know, like you know, like smear, like slice, like slicing through one of Ursula's one of Ursula's uh elbows, if you know what I'm saying, like. Like, literally, literally, you could have had Eric, Disney, you could have had Eric be on the ship with Ursula, and they both could have taken down Ursula. Like, that would have worked. But no, Disney decided, like, think, oh no, the, the, oh no, oh no, oh no, Ariel should be the hero of this movie. Like, that makes no sense. That literally defeats the purpose of Eric's character, by the way. That only, not only, that defeats the purpose of Eric's character, because they, because, I don't know. I really don't know. It really ruins the moment, the hero moment for Eric. It really does. It really, really does. And look, I mean, it is nice to see that Ariel is able to fight, but that's not her character. That's not Ariel's character. Like, in the original, in the original she was close to being killed in the original. She was so close to dying. Like, she almost got killed in that movie. She was close to dying. Like, Ursula was about to deliver a final blow to Ariel. And then Eric swims on in, sails in, and impales Ursula. And, and we don't even see that in that remake. It's basically Ariel doing it all. And Disney, wow. Disney just literally just... They literally just... They, they did my boy dirty. They did my boy dirty. They did my boy dirty in, in that scene. But that being said, and by the way, speaking of uh, doing my boy dirty, uh, Chef Louis, who was the French chef in the original, in the original Little Mermaid, is not in this movie, by the way. Showing, yeah, we don't see Chef Louis in this movie for no reason. For no reason. For for no reason because they think like the whole Chef Lewis uh uh chasing Sebastian's face with a Saturday morning cartoon thing for that according to what some people were saying about about the whole about the whole about that scene in the original. But come on. What? That's literally the funniest scene in that movie. Chef Lewis trying to kill trying to kill Sebastian, knowing the fact that Sebastian went inside that kitchen and seeing all the all the carnage inside, the the sea food, the sea creature held. The, the 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 seafood torture zone. I mean, that moment where Sebastian is realizing that Chef Louis is is cooking fried fish from from the from the sea is just crazy. That was like, yeah, I know it's disturbing. At the same time, with that song that Chef Louis is singing, it's pretty still humorous. I remember that scene. I remember that scene in the original. I don't understand why that's being cut. 
yeah, that's being cut because it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon, according to some people. I mean, oy, oy, oy. But, but anyway, if you all know the ending, uh, er, um, Trident, King Trident was able to, you know, give Ariel what she wants, you know, basically Ariel going back to, going back to Eric, she and Eric, uh, you know, uh, start, are basically, basically in love, our couple thing, they actually do a pretty, do get a pretty good send-off as well, like, they go on, on, they go on to Eric's ship, and then we get a nice moment of King Triton, uh, hugging Ariel, and then, you know, Triton and Eric meeting for the first time, but like I said, but like I said, if Eric and Ariel were on that ship killing Ursula, I feel like that I feel like that wouldn't work. That would have worked, and Trident and Eric would have given the respect for each other, saying that hey, not all humans are bad, which I think would have would have worked. But nope, Dizzy didn't do that because they think like oh, a female the the lady should not the lady should not be rescued by a man. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. But anyway, but anyway, uh, Matt, but anyway, Eric and Ariel, Eric and Ariel set off on a brand new adventure, and of course, that's the end of the film. Now, I will say this: the film itself is not as bad as people are saying it is, but it still have its have its fair share of problems. We're at the point where we're at a little more, we're kind of at a point, but that that not all classics should not be remade. The Little Mermaid, the original Little Mermaid film back in 19, that came out in 1989, it remains a classic to this day. Like, it should not have been remade. Like, not every, like Hollywood, not every, like Disney, not every animated film from your, from your, from your library needs to be rebooted. If there was a re, if there was a, a film that could have deserved the reboot treat, the remake treatment, I say it would be the Black Cauldron. The Black Cauldron is considered to be not only one of Disney's darkest movies, but one, but the, but one of the films to be a bomb. It was a bomb, man. It did not do well at the box office, not as much, and not as much as critics, even though critics did give a mixed reception. But it didn't go that well. I feel like that film deserves the remake treatment, and not any of your. Films from the Disney Renaissance that that deserve the the, the the remake treatment. Those films from the Disney Renaissance from the nineties, they're fine on their own. They're they are fine on their own. You didn't need to remake the Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid is already fine on its own. But since now Disney has given us the live action remake of Little Mer remake of Little Mermaid, it's not as bad as people are saying it is. But at the same time, it still had its fair share of problems. Halle Bailey as Ariel is actually pretty good. Her singing is pretty good, and her acting is pretty good. And I'll be honest with you, she has a promising acting career ahead of her. So she's definitely, she's definitely some, she's definitely going places. Now Rob Marshall, I feel like Rob Marshall does a pretty good job with this film, but at the same time, I feel like, I feel like at the same time he didn't really need to be involved with this film. I feel like. He should have. I feel like he he didn't need to be involved in this film in any way. Like like I said, that film should not have been remade. I mean, but in fairness, he does a good job of what he was given. And I think he did fine. And I say he did fine. Lil Morel Miranda did fine, not only producing the film but also be contribute contributing to the songs. But the Scuttlebutt song, listen, listen. <laughs> I'm sorry to say this. That was not a good song. 
That was not a good song. I'm just, that was not a good song. I mean, Limbaugh Miranda, known from In the Heights, Hamilton, and of course, Encanto for writing songs like We Don't Talk About Bruno, went from that to the scuttlebutt. What was that? Oh my goodness. And then what was up with, and then the lyric change, and then the lyric changes for uh, Kiss the Girl. I mean, what? I mean, who came up with that controversy? Who in the right mind will have the controversy about Kiss the Girl? And then the CGI itself, I mean, it's hit or miss at times, but I feel, but like I mentioned, like, Dizzy, Dizzy, Dizzy's got a visual effects problem, like, right now, like, yeah, but that, but dang, yeah, but Dizzy's got a visual effects problem, like, forcing their visual effects artists to, like, rush the visual effects, looking like it's incomplete, but at the same time for that movie, it does, it, the CGI does hit or miss. And the acting, the other, the acting from the other cast members, uh, they're okay. I mean, they were definitely okay. I thought M Melissa McCarthy as Ursula was pretty good. Javier Bardem was all right as King Trident, but still, he looks very uncomfortable. He he feels completely checked out of that movie, by the way. But other than that, I feel like The Little Mermaid. It's it's, it's not as bad as some of the other Disney remakes, but it's kind of up there as a middle of the road, decent live action remake. And there you have it, folks. That's my uh, take on the live-action Little Mermaid remake. Now, what did you all think? Uh, did you think this movie was okay? Did you not like the movie? Did you think this movie was good? Did you think this is one of the best live-action remakes? Did you think this was one of the best live-action remakes or one of the worst live-action remakes? I mean, I would like to hear your thoughts about this. But anyway, oh, man. That was a lot to talk about. I mean, I know there was a lot going on in that movie, even though I'm talking about not only the live-action film, but also the animated film as well. But anyway, that's all for this episode. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in to Kodo Cinema. I'm your host, Mark Kodo, a.k.a. Kodo Man. Remember to watch movies and stay positive.